Mac Power Users, episode 486, Essential iOS Apps. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I am joined as always by my friend and your friend, David Sparks. Hello, Mr. Hackett. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into some some iOS apps. Looking at our list, there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff to talk about in here. Yeah, we thought it'd be fun for an episode just to talk about the iOS apps that we use. We've been very Mac heavy as of late, mm-hmm. uh, but there are some apps. I mean, uh, we're just getting back from WWDC. I did it iPad only, and uh, you know, there's some apps we use to get by. That's right. Yeah. So these are some things that we use. Uh, I think both we didn't limit it just the iPad, iPhone, and iPad. Things for work, things for personal life, just apps that we go to on uh, a regular basis. And I have some, and I think you do too, that maybe aren't like a regular basis type app, but when you have a certain type of task or certain type of project, it's your go-to on iOS. And I think that's an interesting way to filter these as well. Yeah, when you have a very particular set of problems. Yes. Yeah. You need a very particular set of set of applications to solve it. So uh, we're going to go through these. All these will be listed in the show notes in order. So you can check them out on the app store. Uh, as always, those uh, those are there for you to go explore later. And I, I know when I listen to shows like this, or like when I read F- Federico's big iOS 12 piece a couple of weeks ago, I picked up apps like as I was reading his story, I was like, oh, this solves a problem that I have. And, you know, you go and download it and come back. And so hopefully it is, uh, it is useful for people today. Yeah, hopefully we find one or two that, that you, uh, you discover today. Uh, so I guess I'll get us started. And I use a lot of just first party, like default apps on iOS. A lot of yeah. Apple's apps have gotten uh, really good. I think Notes is one uh, that both of us use. I know. I know you skip around between Notes apps sometimes. For me, Notes is really the place where uh, all sorts of things go, and it's not just things like a to do list to pack, maybe, or things you know, information about my home network or something. It is things like uh, you know, a list of things I'd like to do around the house. You know, things that not necessarily in my task manager, but it's kind of need a checklist for. Uh, but a lot of reference material as well. So like looking through here, I have screenshots of like settings I use in Audition and Logic to edit podcasts, you know, um, things like uh, a, one, a big one for me is manual. So I have a notebook called manuals and I can go through here and I say, okay, here's the LG TV we have and here's a PDF of its owner's manual. Because sometimes when you need those things, you don't want to be like searching the web in the heat of the moment. Uh, and I just keep all those things in notes as PDFs and I can click on them or tap on them on iOS and open them up and kind of ready to go. And that's, that's really been a lifesaver over the years for me. If you're trying to, if you're like, oh, how do I factory reset this? If you spend a little time and like when I do, when I buy something big, just when I unbox it, I put the manual in notes and it's, uh, it's been a trick I've used for a long time and it's, it's really been helpful over the years. Yeah. Back when I had a cable box, I had all of the codes for the remote, you know, every time you had to change batteries in the remote and you'd lose all the codes for your TV and your oh, Apple yeah. TV and stuff. That was an Apple note for me. So every time I needed, I knew I could just go in and type in exactly what I needed without having to dig that out. We were all skeptical of it when it first came out, but I think that they've come a long way in earning our trust because now for several years, they've made this solid app. 
Um, I've not had sync problems with it. And at one point I had over a thousand notes. I, I have heard from some listeners that have had sync problems, but I, I think that's kind of an outlier at this point. And it's a great bucket app. You can just throw stuff into it. I, one of the things I use notes for is, you know, trips, you know, I mean, that's the obvious one that everybody always talks about, but whenever you're going somewhere, you've got a collection of PDFs and links mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, it's just a great way to keep all that stuff together. I know Evernote users are right now banging their heads against their <laughs> dashboards, but but I, I like the idea of not doing it in Evernote. You know, I, I like that it's a native Apple thing. Mm-hmm. Another big reason to use Apple Notes is it's just so ingrained into the operating system like no other Notes app is. It looks kind of pretty. I mean, it looks nice. They've, uh, you know, the, the problems we had with the initial, like the fonts were too small on the Mac initially. Oh, it was awful. <laughs> they, they've sorted out a bunch of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And at this point in my note journey, my ongoing journey of notes, I sure. I have moved a bunch of stuff out of Apple Notes. The stuff that I was finding having trouble with, like, I have what I call, I've talked about this in the show before, text bank. You know, as a lawyer, I have lots of bits of text that I use for different kinds of contracts and things I do. And for a long time, I had saved all that to Apple Notes. But I feel like the search in Apple Notes isn't really good for that kind of application. And um, and also, I, I keep notes on different projects I'm working on. And I've moved a lot of that stuff over to Ulysses, but there's still a fundamental group of things that I keep in Apple Notes. And... And it, it still just gets the job done. It does. Now, do you do much sharing of notes? So you brought up the travel thing. That's something that, that I do as well. So for instance, in July, I'll be going to Maine for a week, though actually the week right before MacStock. And so I have uh, a note in my events notebook, and it has PDFs of our flight stuff. I have another note for the Airbnb we're using, and I've shared those with my spouse so she can see those. But I don't use a lot of shared notes with other people. You know, like uh, as we talk a little, we'll talk about later, I use Google Docs for all, all of my work stuff. Uh, is sharing content of notes, is that something y'all do a lot in the uh, Sparks household? The, uh, we share reminders more than notes, uh, but uh, Mike Schmitz and I ran the Focus podcast on shared Apple Notes up until very recently. Did you move him to Basecamp? Uh, no, we moved him to Quip um, <laughs> uh, because we, we we did some other stuff with um, the way we we're doing production on the show, and it made more sense to have it there. And and um, we have so many guests on the show that sharing I did you know sharing an Apple Note with two friends or two. Uh, co-producers, I think is fine. But I think with outside folks, they want a Google Doc or a Quip link or something. Yeah, so yeah. we moved that over to Quip. But that that was we didn't move it because it wasn't working. I mean, uh, we'd be recording a show and I'd see him typing in on his end and I'd be typing in on my end. It's not as immediate as Google Docs. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, words would show up by the word instead of by the letter, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But man, it was fine. And um you know, that's just one more thing that Apple Notes does well. Yeah, it's it's such a good app. They've really, Apple spent a lot of time on it the last few years. And, you know, I, I shared several probably months ago now at this point that I was using Evernote for some like research stuff and I'm still doing that. But for day-to-day notes, uh, the Apple Notes client just uh, kills it for me. It's got everything I need, you know, it's got attachments and Nice, nice text and, yeah. and all that stuff. Real quick before we move on, I do want to mention the other default app that I use very heavily. And it's one that, that catches some people by surprise. And that is that I use the first party mail client, email client 
on iOS. I've tried Airmail and Spark and Outlook and, you know, all the ones that have come and gone. But I keep coming back to Mail for a couple of reasons. One, the simplicity of it. I've never had Mail do anything unexpected. And Airmail and Spark and others, you know, can be buggy at times. But one of the features that I use in Mail that really makes it stand out for me is uh, VIPs. And so I I do not have email notifications turned on except for a very select few VIPs. And actually looking at my VIP list now, it's Mike Curley, my business partner. It's my wife. And it is, um, I, I use uh, another person actually I need to take out of here. So now I'm, now I'm cleaning up my VIP list as we go. Uh, and then I have Pingdom where they send email uh, notifications if you have a, a server issue. And that's it. Those are the only email addresses that are allowed to have a push notification on my phone and iPad. And that's a feature that others have, have played with and tried, but I think Mail does it really nicely. I would like some of the you know more modern features, but Mail has just stuck with me. And again, like notes, being part of the system, you know, being in the share sheet, having being baked into the OS, that goes a long way for me. And and mail definitely meets my needs. I'm not a VIP. We don't ever email each other. <laughs> I'm still hurt, man. You're a VIP in my All right, life. I'm going to add you. I'm going to add you. I'm going to, I'm going to see the last time I had an email from you. Let's see. <laughs> going way back. It was in April. So, but I'm finding you now and I'm saying, uh, add to VIPs. I feel much better now. Okay. Cause you're a VIP for me, Steven. Okay. Always. I'm sorry. I didn't know this was going to be, <laughs> I just want to talk about email clients. Anyways, I've gone, I've gone twice now. Um, but, uh, what are you, are you using mail or using, uh, are, you, are you on a mail vision quest? Like everything else? I mean, I feel like, you know, you just, you start with notes app and then you go to email apps. Are you just, are you like trolling me here? A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So once a year I get frustrated with Apple mail sure. and then I go download everything and play with it all. And after two or three months of the annual email vision quest, I end up back in Apple Mail. Um, uh, last year, I ended up in Airmail for months, but the thing was just too buggy for me. Yeah. You know? And simple bugs were not getting fixed. And then I saw they were releasing a new mail app for Google Mail. And I realized, wait, this is a small development house. They got multiple apps, and they, you know, I just <laughs> kind of rage quit it. And then, and I hit, and I'm going to hear from a bunch of listeners. They're like, oh, Airmail's the best. Use Airmail. I know it's great. It's way more powerful. But I just had bug problems. Um, just a couple weeks ago, my wife had to work on a Saturday, or, so I drove her to work, and I went into the park, as we call Disneyland. And, and I, I um, Instagrammed a picture of me sitting there answering an email and somebody said, you're using Apple Mail? And then there was a whole discussion on Twitter about what's wrong with me for using Apple Mail. So it shamed me into loading uh, oh, Spark no. back on. <laughs> you know? I, I just, I've been trying Spark the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. again. It's much more stable than Airmail in my experience. And it's good for a couple of things. It's good for sending tasks to OmniFocus. It's easier than it is with Apple Mail. And it's good for... Um, it's also good for saving PDFs because, you know, saving PDFs can be done in Apple Mail, but it's really weird. You hit the print button and then you do a reverse pinch and, you know, it's just it's goofy, you know, the way you do it. Yeah. And uh, I will say we're recording this slightly before the keynote, so this may be dated. Um, uh, but the, either way, I so I tried Spark and it's fine. But honestly, I'm I, the fight is out of me. I'm just going to use Apple Mail. And uh, the other thing that's happened with me with mail on mobile is I've got really 
you know, I've lost the religion of checking email on my phone. You know, I mean, you know, there's that new Cal Newport book is out. Um, what do they call it? Um, digital minimalism. Mm-hmm. And I, none, none of that stuff's really a big deal for me, but, but I, you know, just the mail clients are so such garbage that I just decided, well, why am I even spending that much time on mail on my phone? Hmm. So the only place I really do mail now on iOS is with an iPad and Apple mail um, does have, it's just super stable, you know, it is. And uh, I think your point about the, the iPad being like a a better place for this than the phone for you, that resonates with me as well. I, I tend to use my iPhone for email triage. So going through like my, my saying later folder, or just if I have, you know, 15 emails when I wake up, just very quickly kind of saying, okay, I don't need to deal with any of these. And I'll just, I'll leave the others until I get to my office or I'm at my iPad where I have an external keyboard and can kind of settle in with it uh, a little bit better. Yeah. So it, it's fine on the phone in, in a pinch, but I, it's definitely not my preferred place to deal with email. I mean, one of the ways I solve the this feature doesn't work on Apple Mail on iPhone or iPad is I use flags and I just... Anything that I want to process on my Mac, I'll just flag it. And then when I get to my Mac, I'll clear out my flagged folder. And then I can use all the Mac goodness, mm-hmm. you know, Apple scripts, whatnot, to to process that stuff very quickly. Yep, I do, I mean, I, rare, I do the same thing. <laughs> rare, I mean, rarely is it something that needs immediate attention. So, yeah, I, I'm having a, um, a little bit of a, you know, I, I've just kind of changed my attitude towards email. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last year. So now I'm not as hot and bothered about the shortcomings of Apple Mail. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps for your 30-day free trial. And when you sign up, you'll get 20% off. 1Password is another key iOS application to me. We live in a complicated age, and we all have countless online accounts, from social media all the way to our banking. Each one needs to have a secure, unique password to keep us safe, and that's where 1Password comes in. Using 1Password, you can create strong, unique passwords, and the best part is you don't have to remember them. They are all stored in 1Password on all of your devices, so if you're at home, in the office, or on the go, you can log into all your accounts easily. With 1Password for families, you can share login information with the important people in your life, and with 1Password for teams, you can create 1Password vaults for different coworkers managing access to critical information with fine-grained control. 1Password works across a wide variety of browsers. On the desktop, the simple shortcut of command plus backslash opens 1Password in the browser with the correct login selected and ready to be filled. This saves you so much time. AgileBit stays on top of the newest features, meaning 1Password on iOS uses Face ID to let you quickly unlock your vault, and it integrates with autofill passwords, so you can log in right from the standard iOS keyboard. This is great because staying secure shouldn't slow you down. One of my favorite features is the ability to create and store banking information. I often need to send routing or account information, and instead of having to look that up every time or keeping it someplace like Apple Notes, which isn't secure, I know it's safe and sound encrypted in 1Password. This doesn't just apply to your banking information, though. You can also put medical details or credit card 800 numbers. Whatever information you need to protect on your devices, 1Password can handle for you. 
So head over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to learn more and sign up for a free 30-day trial. When you sign up, you'll also get 20% off. Our thanks to OnePassword for all of its support of the Mac Power users. So uh, what's up? What's up for you? Yeah, well, man, we just hit some heavy ones. Well, since you were talking about writing, um, an app that continues to grow in my affection is Ulysses. I just, I really like the way the app is made. You know, it's one of those apps that is, as someone who uses an iPad a lot, the i the Mac and iPad versions are virtually identical. In fact, they just added multiple columns to the iPad version very recently. Um, I like the idea of working in a text editor, but I have lots of different buckets of text I want to work with. So the combination of a nice text editor with really powerful organizational tools make this an app that I, I really dig. Um, it's super friendly with Siri shortcuts, so there's I've got lots of automation built in. Um, I write almost all of my client work in Ulysses, which is weird for a lawyer. Most people do it in, in Word, but I like the ability to move things around and um, I like working in text and it's just, you know, but it's not just for the legal work. I also do a lot of the Max Sparky stuff. I have a big post that's going up uh, just a few minutes after we record the show and it's, you know, it's a pile of words in Ulysses that's been moved around and you know the organizational tools uh it, it just really got me lately i i originally started with scrivener which is still a great application in fact one of the very first exclusive episodes we did on mac power users all those years ago was on scrivener but the thing i like about ulysses for me is that it just eliminates all of the text formatting stuff i mean there's nothing you you can't choose a font or anything it's just it's real simple right and um and I work in Markdown, and even though it's a little bit of a different flavor of Markdown, it's a good one. And having moved recently moved over the last three or four months, a lot of my text bank materials into Ulysses. I like it because it's got it's got a version of tags, but it's also got a hierarchical structure I can work out of. And once you kind of get your head around the way the app looks, it's great. I had lunch with those guys at, at WWDC two or three years ago. And they're very opinionated about the application. And that's good if you agree with their opinions, and I do. So uh, they make a nice app. Uh, for, for writing for me on iOS, I am using an app called One Writer. And it, it syncs with, or I have it set up for me to sync with uh, Dropbox. So I have a Dropbox folder called AAA Drafts. So it syncs to the top of the folder. Yeah. And, I know. <laughs> I love that. And uh, it's some people do, some people don't. I like OneWriter for a few reasons. It is definitely more customizable in terms of UI than Ulysses is. And uh, and that's I, I like that because I don't necessarily agree with all the choices in, in Ulysses. But my favorite trick in OneWriter is that it has a built-in browser. So if you're looking at your text document and you swipe uh, over to the right, you have uh, an embedded, you know, Safari browser, and so say that I have a, uh, you know, some sort of knowledge base article up because I'm me and that's what I do. Uh, if that's open in the browser, when I go back and edit Markdown, one writer puts like like a lot of apps do, puts extra buttons above the keyboard, and one of yeah. them is a way to like insert that open browser tab as a markdown link right in your document. And a lot of the writing I do, I reference other things on the web or videos or something. And I found this to be a really fast way to go from, okay, this is 
a browser tab in Safari. I need this in my Markdown. And OneWriter just makes that really easy. OneWriter is also extensible through JavaScript. So I have a couple of different uh, extensions that that I have put in there. One will take the text and send it to Shortcuts so I can publish to 512 Pixels, which runs on WordPress, and uh, a couple others for various things. It's it's definitely closer to a text editor than Ulysses is, where that's like a like a like a markdown processor, kind of like a, a nicer writing environment. One writer feels a little more like you could also write code in it if you wanted to, but uh, it meets my needs and it's it's in that browser trick. Just saves me so much time. Uh, I've really I've really I've used it for a long time and and will continue to as long as I can. You know how we're like in this golden age of TV streaming now, like every company is getting ready to announce their streaming service. That's what we were like with text editors like Mm -hmm. four or five years ago. And then there was the bloodbath of the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. And there's like very few text editors left. I feel like one writer is like, it's victorious out of that. (laughs) It it definitely feels like it's like, it's from a different time. You know, you had elements and all these others that just seems marked down to a Dropbox folder. And a lot of those to your point are gone. But I mean, one writer through a combination of stability features, good design, it's the one that, you know, after all of this is left, I feel like we're going to have the same thing with the streaming services, by the way. I I don't think all the ones being announced are going to exist in a few years, but I, I do think that one writer is a, a great app if you're looking for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you didn't say you were writing blog posts in Apple Notes. I noticed that. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not what Notes is for. And, and things yeah. in one writer they stay in that drafts folder until I publish them, and then they're published. So I don't need the markdown anymore. I don't really keep published articles as local text files. You know, they're all in WordPress. If I'm writing for something for Mac Stories or Six Colors or, or someplace else, I do save those. Um, and then I, I just move them into the right Dropbox folder when I'm done. But that drafts folder is sort of available to me everywhere. It has things that I'm, you know, currently working on, whatever state they may be. And then where they live at the end is dependent on where they're published. Yeah, makes sense. And so, and y- your publishing workflow, is it straight from one writer to 512 pixels? It, it steps through shortcuts. So it, it it takes the text, sends it to shortcuts, and then shortcuts lets me select the the title, the category, it crawls the markdown for links because I do link lists, you know, where the headline thing is yeah. um uh, it crawls all that, puts that all in the right field. And that shortcut is it's pretty specific to 512 pixels, so it's not something that I think I could share very easily, but it is based on uh, a shortcut written by Federico uh and it is listed over on the Mac Story site. So I will link to his shortcuts thing. And if you search for WordPress, it is based on his published to WordPress shortcut. So that can be a, a starting point if you're looking for something like that. You know, I have a weird life because I am I have two jobs, you know. And for the lawyer job, Microsoft Word is is the application that everybody uses. So I'm constantly in it. And they, I want to compliment Microsoft. They have done such a good job over the last few years of making a reliable, solid version of Word for iPad. I mean, I think it's on Word 2. I haven't installed it for Word. But the, um, I'm sorry, I think it's on iPhone as well. I haven't installed it for iPhone. But the, um, but the version on the iPad is just great. And it's super solid. Uh, there's a couple little niggles I have of some features they decided not to put in. But overall, I mean, I can open a Word document, I can track changes, I can do just about anything I can do on my Mac 
with my iPad using Microsoft Word. And it hasn't always been that way, but we're, we're all in a really good spot. Those of us that need to use Microsoft Word now and have an iPad. Yeah, it's not one that I use. I, I don't even think I have Office installed on my iOS devices, sure. but uh, I, yeah. I do know for people, uh, you and other people I know who use it, uh, who speak very highly of it. And I, I good on Microsoft, like you said, they, uh, you know, their MO for a long time was Windows first and Windows only. And that's really changed in the last four or five years. And they're giving things like Apple's pages and, and other apps a real run for, for their money. And that that's good for everybody. Yeah, agreed. And and Pages is great too. I mean, it was famously one of the first apps designed for the iPad. It was. Uh, but, but just the because of the business I'm in, I have to work in Word a lot. And sure, they do. It's it's just a great app to write words down. And I, I already talked about Ulysses, but between Ulysses and Word, that's where I do most of my writing on iPad. And I talked about one writer for my article writing, but when it comes to collaborative writing, it's it's all Google Docs for me. And everything yeah. you said about Microsoft Word being a good iPad app. The opposite is true for Google Docs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, they are slow, that. slow to implement features. It does weird stuff with the keyboard. Uh, Google Sheets is even worse, but uh, Google Docs is like, it works and it's fine, but it's not great and it's, it's frustrating in, in places. But all of my show prep for my four podcasts, all of that happens in Google Docs. You know, Google Sheets has, like we talked about in the in the G Suite uh episode forever ago, all of that stuff for the company, all the spreadsheets that, that make Relay FM keep the trains on time, it's all in, in Google Sheets. And that's this is definitely a thing where like, I will deal with it on iOS if I have to, um, but I'd prefer to do it on the Mac uh, in, in a desktop browser. So they're there if I need them. You know, Google Docs in particular, if there's something going on, I'll pop into a show outline and you know, paste a link in and write a couple bullet points, but then I'll I'll fill it out later when I'm when I'm on my on a Mac. I feel like Google's at now where Microsoft was at for so long. You know where it, it, you know it is Google first, and you know Chrome first, and it, it you know the 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 iOS platform is very far down the list. Oh yeah, and that, that's true, especially on the desktop where if you use desktop Safari. Like Google Docs and Sheets work, but weird stuff happens sometimes. Like my favorite thing is if you lo- if you leave a Google Sheet open in a tab and come back to it hours later, sometimes this the text is just fuzzy. It's like like it just forgot it's on a run display. The tab has been in the background for hours and you have to refresh it for it to look again. Like, how is that broken, Google? Like what did you do to make that even possible? Uh well in Chrome you don't you don't have that sort of issue. So there's a lot of concern there for me for Google and lock-in and stuff. But uh, but Docs and Sheets are there. You know, they do eventually support, you know, new iOS features. It was a running gag on Connected years ago, like when, as Google Docs and Sheets added, you know, uh, split screen and slide over and stuff. And they finally did it. Wasn't it like 18 months, though? I mean, it was... It was it was forever. Like <laughs> It was a long time. Yeah. And then they, they added drag and drop, but in a super janky, weird way. Like, they do the minimum to keep to keep sort of up to date eventually, but clearly their heart's not in it. And I wish that would change because Google Docs is hugely important to a lot of people. And it definitely feels like you're some sort of kind of fallen into like an in-between world when you got to use it on iOS all the time. I've made this observation before on the show, but I just can't help but say it again. If five years ago someone said, okay, Google and Microsoft, which one is going to be the best team player on the iPad? 
you know, I mean, I never would have thought it would have been Microsoft. No know? one would have taken your bet on that. <laughs> you know? But I, I use it too. But you know, the reason I mentioned earlier, we switched, uh, we've switched focused over to Quip. Uh, Automators runs on Quip. We we consciously chose as we were getting those shows rolling to not use Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Whereas Google Docs would naturally be the the answer because everybody has a Google Docs account. But um, because their iOS support is so bad, we actively chose to go to a different platform. Yeah, Equip is great. Um, I would rank it above like Dropbox Paper, which yeah. I've had some some problems with in the past. I don't I don't use it. It's not on my list. It's not something that, that I don't think I have it even installed anymore. But there are alternatives to Google Docs, but you kind of got to except that they may not be as, as full-featured or like Quip. You're sending somebody a link to something they haven't seen before. And, and if that's a problem in your workflow, you got to overcome it. I'll tell you, another app I use almost daily on, on iOS is MindNode. That's a, a simple mind mapping application. They were a disclosure of Mac Power users years ago. And I've, I've done video production for them. I've done some of their tutorial videos over the years. Mm-hmm. You know, take it for what it's worth. But I was a big fan before, you know, I did work for them and I continue to be. Uh, I just love MindNode. It's a simplified mind mapping application. But I almost hesitate to call it simplified. It looks simple and it's easy to use, but it's actually got a lot of power under the hood. And I work with mind maps. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of Mac Power Uses Ever was our Cooking Ideas episode, like ages ago. But it's just where I explained how when I'm working on a project, I, one of my tricks is to start early, but just spend a little time on it every day, kind of letting the ideas cook in my head. Mm-hmm. And my node is the tool I use for that. Uh, you know, and I'll just put in a couple. Like I'm working on the next field guide now, and right now it's just a big clump of my node words. Um, so you just you know, you start putting things in there and you go in there every day and your subconscious mind solves a lot of problems for you. But my node, it works on the Mac, the iPad and the iPhone. And usually the iPhone is in my pocket. So anytime, you know, uh, inspiration strikes on any one of my projects, I put it in there. Like I had a really complicated letter I had to write on behalf of a client to a real cranky lawyer. Um, and I spent time mind mapping that before I started writing it. And that I think at the end product is better because of that, because I gave myself time to kind of sort it out. And, and my node, you know, the text entry is very simple. It's, it really is a pretty app It is in the best of ways in that, you know, it's, it's, it's attractive to use. You're happy when you're in it, using it, and it's got enough customization so you can kind of make it the way you want, but not so much in terms of power. It's got this amazing feature where you push a button and it turns your mind node into an outline. So if you want to jump between outline, I used to do round tripping to um, uh, Omni Outliner, you know, but I don't need to do that with the with the mind map stuff. And, and I will go over to Omni Outliner if it's certain type of work, but but for just kind of the brainstorming stuff, I think my note is a, uh, just a, a great app. And those guys continue to re- put new releases out. You know, it's actively developed and, um, you know, you just know they're in it for the long haul. Yeah, it's on my list as well. I don't use it nearly as much as you do, but if I have a big project or a big article or something like my Mac OS reviews, it's a great way to to have all that out visually. I've even used it before for uh, like graphics on five twelve pixels, like I did, you know, doing articles about uh, my backup strategy. It's like, well, how can I show this? Well, you know, I could do it in MindNode, then create an image from it. Yeah. 
I think for me, the the iPad is where I, I'm using MindNode the most. It's great. It's sort of the the perfect tool for it in my mind, where I can I can sit the set the iPad up and and really kind of let it flow, use the pencil and everything else. So it's uh, it's definitely a, uh, an essential app for me, even though it's not a a daily or even probably monthly launch. When I need something like this, it is the uh, the perfect tool. Yeah, I, I don't think three days go by that I don't launch it twice. So I mean, I use that a lot. Uh, and, and you're right, because um, mind mapping, I never really got it when it was, you know, back in before there were mobile devices, mm-hmm. you know, there were some very expensive mind mapping apps and people would show them to me, but it was, I think it was the process of getting away from my desk, whether you're at Starbucks or on your couch and just opening up that mind map um, that just really clicked for me. People think about a mind map and they just think about, and I'm outlining a big article or I'm thinking about a big project. But I think, you know, your sort of use case of like anything I need to organize, I think it's a, a way that you can think about this and it be uh, a little more useful. See, the organization stuff kind of happens in mind. In fact, let me do one more pick okay? because it's so related. Okay. Uh, Omni Outliner, which is an amazing mobile outliner. I, I feel like the Omni Group, of course, are going to do good and they are a sponsor. So once again, take it for what you want. Omni Outliner is great organizational tool. Like I have these things where I sit down with clients and they want to explain a problem to me. But, you know, when you go through law school, you learn, you kind of, and as you practice law, you learn, you know, what are the things that are important to this? You know, what's the law on this? So, you know, in your brain, you're always filtering to figure out, you know, where does the penny drop in terms of what the problem is. But the person who's hiring you didn't go to law school and has no experience with this. So they don't know. And they just start, you know, blasting out all this information and in no particular order. And that is something for me that fits an outliner. And I will, um, I do a couple ways. I, if, if we've got an Apple TV, I will put it on the screen. If not, I'll just get my, my big iPad and they'll sit next to me. And I'll just start typing in all of the bits that they give me into this outline. And then as they're telling it to me, I can start reorganizing it and kind of putting order to chaos. Okay. And when we're done, I can show them, okay, this is my understanding. You know, these are the people who signed the contract. This is the stuff they did. This is the stuff they didn't do. Or another version of it is someone wants me to write a contract for them. These are, you know, this is the stuff that you're doing. This is what they're going to pay. These are the pieces that are important to you. These are the things you're worried about. And I, and I create this outline an Omni outline. And um, this I find works better than my note for this, this kind of problem. And then I send them a PDF of it. They're always super happy with that, you know, because Omni Outliner has got really pretty templates. Once again, you know, looks matter. And then they look at it and often they'll take it home with them and they'll call me up next day and say, hey, I also want to address this or that. But I have this this kind of organic process we go through using Omni Outliner. And then once we're done and they see the outline and say, yeah, this is the contract I need, then I write it. And not only do they feel like they were part of the process, when they get the final contract, they understand it better because they know what, you know, what sections are solving what problems. And it's just a great way to work. And and once again, I don't, I couldn't see myself bringing someone in my office and sitting them over my shoulder on my Mac, but sitting next to them with an iPad really makes that easy. And that, that program excels at that. And that's to me kind of the, the drawing line between my note and Omni Outliner. Okay. Yeah. I've been curious in the past about how you separate those things. And yeah. I, I would imagine too, in that sort of situation, 
an outline also feels more concrete to some people than a mind map. You know, yes. some people don't really yes. grok the idea of like these are nodes and they come off and you have branches and and an outline is like okay, this is what we're doing. It, it, like you said, it looks good. It feels official, right? It feels like yes, yeah. someone who knows what they're doing came up with this. So that makes a lot of sense to me yeah. where you've drawn that line. Yeah, and it's kind of my client work is often linear in nature, mm-hmm. which makes it more outline friendly. Sure, uh, but but it, it is a um, Anyway, I mean, it, th- those are two apps that, once again, I Omni Outliner gets open multiple times a week for the same reason. I, I really feel like the organization and thinking is something that iOS can be really helpful for. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I, I'm always looking closely at those types of apps. Do, do you find yourself uh, with with these two in particular? I know we're talking about iOS uh, primarily today, but they both, of course, have Mac counterparts. Is that something that you... Um, that sort of work you do on the Mac when you're like by yourself, do you go, do you open that outline and work through it on the Mac or are these kind of iOS only realms? They're iOS primarily realms, okay. I think is the way I would say it. But I mean, if I need to access on my Mac, like, like for you know the next field guide, as we were planning today's show, a thought occurred to me and I just opened my note on my Mac, dropped in some text and then closed it. I mean, because that's the platform I was sitting sure. at, you know, well, that is the beauty of these modern tools that you can get to them from anywhere. And and I think everything we've talked about work-wise so far all syncs either with iCloud or Dropbox or in some cases both. And uh, that really makes it, like I said, it's fluid. So you don't have to think about, oh, I left my iPad in my bag. If I need to add something to it, I'll do it later. Like you can just do it while you're there at your Mac and then, and then move on. And that's something too that you're talking about apps four or five years ago. That was a lot harder in the earlier days of iOS, and now it, it, it stands out when a app or a, or a, a product doesn't have cross-platform sync. That's basically instant. Right? Like we've come to expect that now. I know I certainly do, and it's it's a big feature for so many of us. Well, I, I just think back to the crazy stuff we had to do at the beginning of the iPhone and the iPad. I mean, I remember, I don't even remember the exact steps I used to go through to sync Scrivener. But when I wrote the the um, the I, iPad at Workbook for Wiley all those years mm-hmm. ago, I was, I was syncing Scrivener to my iPad, but it was like this hairy system where like, if you didn't, you know, if you cross the streams, just unless you did it just right, you know, you, there was a chance you might fry some of your text, you know, and it's it, like now all the stuff is just given. I mean, you open Ulysses and everything is just there. You don't, you don't even think about it anymore. It's, it's so much better. A, a related app on this, since I'll just to close this category out, one that I've been looking at lately that everybody's talking about that I haven't like bitten on to just yet is Linea Sketch. Are you familiar with that one? I am. It's by the folks over at the Icon Factory. Yeah. That looks kind of interesting, too, as something to write, like Apple Pencil-related stuff. Like, I could see myself using that with a client meeting, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I haven't really checked it out, but uh, I know that a lot of people really like what they've done with it. I know it has a lot of really clever clever tools with the with the Apple Pencil on the iPad, so, you, you know, you can draw certain shapes and they sort of snap. And, yeah. and it seems very well thought out. I just don't know if I have a huge need for that sort of thing in my work, but I'm glad that it's there for people who do. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends over at Smile. Text Expander is the app for Mac OS, Windows, iPhone, iPad, and now even Chrome that makes 
typing faster than ever. With just a few keystrokes, you can expand out a snippet to meet all sorts of needs. Say you have a chunk of text that you send often to customers or people you work with. You can have that in Text Expander. Say you have a form you need to fill out with drop-down options to customize your message. Text Expander can help that too. And with its all-new visual snippet editor, dealing with things like time and other variables is a lot easier. Snippets work everywhere you can type, so you can use yours in email, Microsoft Word, Slack, web browsers, and more. And companies use Text Expander for Teams for customer support, reports, emails, and anywhere else they need to be consistent and accurate with the text that they're creating. Here at Relay FM, we use Text Expander for Teams to correct all sorts of typos with sponsor names, contact names, and it's just a real lifesaver. If you're like me and you love Text Expander and you want to tell others about it, you can join the affiliate program to earn a little extra. Show listeners can get 20% off their first year of Text Expander by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. Be sure to tell them we sent you here from the Mac Power Users. Uh, shifting gears a, a touch, but we're kind of still talking about work. Uh, one that I use, and this is definitely one that I use uh, across platforms, sync it with iCloud, is Solver. So it is a... This is a very hard app to describe, uh, so I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. It is a, a calculator, but it is also sort of a like a natural language processing thing. Like, so one thing I do with it every month is I have to figure, um, you know, the profit from Relay FM every month. So I take what's in the bank and if we owe people anything, and you know, it, it can be several uh, different calculations in this calculator, and in most calculator apps, you would just do that calculation and then maybe you'll see a tape of your different steps that you walked through. I'm dividing this, I'm subtracting that, I'm adding this, but they're not labeled. And if you want to go back and change them, you basically have to redo the whole calculation. And this is where a solver really comes into its own because really you're saving a document. And so I can have, you know, we have this much money and then I I can label, I can print these, I can say, you know, uh, you know, what's in checking this month and I, oh, we owe people this amount of money. And I can label that and I can change it as that changes as, you know, the month closes. And except it's very hard to describe. But if you have calculations that you're doing not just at once, but something you're working on over and over, but a spreadsheet's maybe too rigid. I could do this in a spreadsheet as well and label cells and everything. But Solver is very fluid and it's it's one that I use all the time. I have it on all my devices. It's particularly nice on the uh, on the iPhone, I've used it in the past doing things like measurements uh, just around the house. You know, if I'm needing to uh, to work on something and I need to know the distance, you know, between point A, point B, and point C, I can sort of write all that out in natural text, and then then I can do math on it. I can, you know, then I can have okay, this is the total distance, or this is the average between the points, and that sort of thing. It's very flexible. It is very hard to get your head around at first because it's like it doesn't work like any other calculator I've ever used. It also doesn't work like a spreadsheet, but it kind of works like a spreadsheet. Um, it's very unique, and it's 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 a, t- a tool that I use just all the time for all sorts of things. Okay, I love this app, and the reason I do is because the developer went outside of the box with it. I mean, when someone said, I'm going to give you a piece of glass that you can program onto, now go make a calculator. The obvious go-to solution would be 
like every other calculator in the world, you'd create a, a digital facsimile. You'd have buttons, you'd have the equal sign, you'd have this, the clear button, you know. You would just make a calculator on a piece of glass. And there are lots of those. Some are good, some are not, you know, in on the iPhone, the iPad. Um, you know, but the guy who made, or the team who made Solver, I don't know if it, how big the team is on it, but whoever made Solver, uh, they said, well, let's just say we don't need to follow the traditional paradigm. I mean, the old calculators had to have the buttons because that's the only way they could do it. They only had one line screen, so they had to have buttons below it. I mean, that that the design was dictated by the constraints of the device. But now we've removed those constraints, and they said, well, let's make something else. Mm -hmm. It's always hard for us to describe it, but once you see it, it immediately, you know, it immediately clicks. This is so much better, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And it syncs those files with iCloud or Dropbox. You can have them everywhere. And uh, it's just, it's great. It even has, like, really clever things around currency. So if you need to convert between currencies, it basically has a database in there that updates. So you can say, I need to figure this amount, but then convert it to this. It's really powerful. And like, definitely, this is definitely one to go. If you're not familiar with it, go look at the screenshots, go, go see how, how it's put together. Uh, It's sort of like, this is not a great uh, analogy, but it's kind of like keyboard maestro in the sense that you can use it to build basically anything you would want. And I think looking through the screenshots may spurn some ideas if this is an app you're on the fence about. Yeah. Um, on calculators, I'm going to add a couple. Okay. Um, uh, PCALC always comes up. It's, you know, it's, it is, if you're looking for the traditional calculator, PCALC is, is I think probably the best. Absolutely. And, you know, once again, actively developed admittedly by a friend of ours, but it just, you know, I, I don't think there's any calculator in the app store that's got as much love behind it as PCALC does. And it's just so customizable in a traditional calculator kind of sense of the word. Um, if you do a lot of business calculations, the one I would recommend is called Power One, which is another calculator with a long history, um, a single developer. I think it goes back to like the Palm. I don't know how far back it goes, but it's it's a formula based calculator i mean i don't use it to um you know figure out you know one plus one but i if i'm doing an amortized loan as part of a legal document i'm writing uh power one does such a great job for it you just plug in the numbers it emails you an amortization sheet you know it just handles all that so if you do like financial calculations but it's also got stuff in there for contractors and engineers and and whatnot as well but if you've got industry specific type calculations you do um i would check out power one uh, i use all three of those you know uh, solver pcalc and power one for, for, to solve different problems but those are apps that are all opened at least a couple times a month. Yeah, PCALC in particular, you know, you said that it's it's so well loved. James is an extremely active member of like the sort of the the Apple nerd community. PCALC, of course, I mean, like he built a version for Apple TV. Like no, no one needs that, but James is very good at adopting new technology. There's an Apple Watch version. There's actually like a whole uh, AR game inside of PCALC, which <laughs> you can go and find. Uh, but it's been around on the Mac since before Mac OS X. I mean, PCALC goes very far back to the old sort of classic Mac OS days. And it's it's one that I use as well when I don't need Solver if I'm just doing regular calculations because, because it is customizable. You can change themes, but you can also change out 
like buttons that are on the calculator. So if you have a certain type of yeah. arithmetic you're doing on a regular basis or like, oh, I'm always doing this sort of thing, you can actually customize PCALC to be more to, to your liking. And it just goes so far beyond what the standard iOS calculator does, which isn't even on the iPad, at least as of iOS 12. And Apple's never brought it to the iPad. And PCALC yeah. is great on the iPad. And uh, again, it's it's definitely one that both Solver and PCALC I'm using on a regular basis. Yeah. And I feel like we almost do it a disservice when you talk about, hey, there's a game in PCALC and they have an Apple TV app. But I mean, what the, the point that Stephen really made there is it's just a killer calculator. I mean, the customization button layout stuff, I mean, that is great. And, you know, just as a calculator, it it does the job. And James is an awesome guy. So. Yeah. So we're kind of in this productivity zone, and I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about scheduling. I know that's uh, a dangerous topic with you because (laughs) you schedule everything down to the minute. But uh, a couple of of apps maybe that we're using that uh, make this easier. And a a very recent addition – well, it's a new app, but so definitely a recent addition to my workflow is uh, an iOS app called CalZones by our friend underscore David Smith. If you're like me and you deal with people in multiple time zones, so in in my sort of every day, you know, every week working life, I've got you and Jason Snell in California. I have me here in Central Time, which no one knows where that is. I have people on the East Coast. And then I have Mike in London. I have Federico in Rome. I have a lot of time zones to keep up with. And th- there have been widgets. One was called Clock, K-L-O-K, uh, which I'll include in the show notes. So you can check that out. Um and it basically put in the notification or in the widget screen uh, various time zones. You could slide them back and forth. But there wasn't a really good way to deal with time zones and events. So, for instance, it, we're recording this on sort of a, an, an unusual day for Mac Power users. And and generally, I just uh, generally I just work on Eastern time because, p- again, people don't know where Central time is. Like, is that one or two off? And but then you're always kind of figuring you got to do that, do that math. And CalZones puts your calendar events and time zones sort of on level playing field, so you can you can open the app and slide across it like a timeline. And as your events go by, it tells you the local time in any number of cities or locations that you add. So it's completely customizable. So again, I have all those time zones I just mentioned. I actually have them named the people I work with in those time zones. So I don't even have to do the mental math of, oh, San Francisco is Jason, but David's the same time zone, but he doesn't live in San Francisco. Like None of that. I just have you know the people who live in those time zones. And you can see where, where everybody is at a certain time. And when you go to create an event, yeah, and this is what's really unique about it, it, it surfaces all that time zone data again in its in its creation screen. So you don't even have to like hold it in, in short-term memory of like, oh, it's five hours difference to this person and two hours difference to this person. You can see all of it. It's brilliant. And if, if you deal across time zones, uh, CalZones is an app that's going to change the way you schedule things. It, it really... Instantly, as soon as it showed up, it like it's on both of my devices. Uh, this is something that I use every day. Yeah, that, that's I call that the Rose Orchard app because I podcast with somebody in Vienna, and for some reason, I cannot get it through my head what time. I, I always think it's midnight there. Whatever time of day it is in my head, it's it's midnight. So I'm always <laughs> afraid to send her a message, yeah. and I know she's really smart, and she turns on Do Not Disturb, but, uh, you know, I don't know. So that, that's a nice app. 
for uh, for that. It's it's excellent. The uh, for scheduling stuff, you 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 do you know kind of open a box when you ask me about that. I but know. I'll keep it simple. Um, uh, the Apple Calendar app is great. I I really like the um, travel time features in the Apple Calendars app. I think that's nice. Um, I prefer Fantastical because of the data entry stuff. And it's on iOS or Mac, it's just super easy to enter new events once you kind of learn their syntax. And it's just a great app. I mean, I like the look of it. Um, they have an infinite scrolling list of events on the iPad, which I love. So I can just scroll through the week to see what's coming up. Um, and then the other, I think, key tool for me with um, calendars is, is shortcuts. I have, I've created a... Um, you know, I guess I should share some of these. I put I put some stuff like this in the Siri shortcut field guide. So if you've got that, you you've already seen it. But uh, I have like standard days that I do things, and I have a a Siri shortcut that's it's nothing more than creation of a series of events. You know, starting with you know, I usually try to do my first like legal block, like of legal work, usually you know five thirty to seven thirty every day, and that just get up and get the, get that done. And so I have a, a, it creates a calendar entry for that, where it just creates that event. And then I've got, you know, usually I go and exercise. And so I've got like st typical stuff I do every day where I can create all that just by tapping a button in series shortcuts and it creates a series of events. If you do any type of block scheduling, that can be really helpful. So I use, I use a bunch of things to get calendaring done. But um, but so much of it is iOS based at this point. Yeah, I, I'm using the default Apple Calendar. I have Fantastical in a folder uh, because of that. That natural language processing is so powerful. So yeah, generally I use it if I'm entering several things at once, or if you know if I'm on a phone call or a meet, I'm in a meeting and someone says, "Hey, what about this time?" and I can enter it very quickly there. But the default calendar basically meets my needs. And you brought up the. Uh, time, you know, arrival time, time to leave type yeah. feature, travel time. That's huge for someone like me who lives in a city where you have to drive. It's I don't even normally put regular alarms on events. Like if I have a lunch meeting with somebody, I just have that set, and it's kind. Of, it kind of know it knows where I am. It knows where the restaurant is. It's kind of checking on things, and it'll tell me, hey, you know, it's it's time to go, and then I just get up and go and. That's a cool feature. It's one that may not be applicable to everybody, but if you're like me, where most of your events involve going somewhere, it can be uh, it can be pretty nice to have it sort of watching your back and keeping an eye on the clock all at the same time. Yeah, although I don't trust it for if I say you know message me when I need to leave, you know because it's supposed to be looking at traffic and figuring that out. Uh, in Southern California, there's too much traffic, and you just. I just don't trust it. I, I set it, I set that in hard because you can say like one hour, you know, 45 minutes. Yeah. You can set multiple. Yeah. So you could have one hour and travel time, um, which is, is another cool trick in, in Apple calendar. But, uh, you know, I, I think calendar management is something on iOS that once again has taken over on iOS for me, largely over the Mac. Yeah. There, there's so many good clients. I mean, we, there, there are a bunch of other apps too that do interesting things. But uh, for me, the, again, the iPad is a really nice way to see the calendar, see what's going on. Again, I'll do it on my phone if I have to. It's kind of nice to sit down with the iPad and plan out your week. And that's something that I do. You know, most weekends I spend a little time looking at the next week, making sure I know everything that's on my calendar, seeing if there's any any collisions, right? Like, oh, I have this phone call and this podcast at the same time. That's not good. <laughs> Maybe do something yeah. about that. 
and the iPad has become the tool for me for that because the the calendar on the iPad is just it's just a nice fit for the form yeah. factor. Agreed. Uh, well, we, we talked about Dropbox. Uh, I will include it here. Dropbox is effectively my file system. Everything sure. on my laptop basically is in Dropbox. Uh, all my working files are there except for the podcast I'm editing at the moment. That's, you know, just in my downloads folder on my desktop of my iMac Pro. Dropbox has been the glue for so many things for me. I mean, like since college, like I don't even remember a time before Dropbox, man. Like it's just, it's always been there and they've come a long way in supporting things like iOS files and the iOS app is actually pretty decent now. It used to be kind of weird in places. They've, they've made progress there. Uh, I would like to be brave enough to explore iCloud Drive, but I just, I'm not as far into that as you are. But the biggest thing for me is my Dropbox is like a wide range of shared folders for various projects. And that's at least before WBDC. So again, we're recording this before the keynote. So put this in parentheses, I guess. But at least under iOS 12, iCloud Drive has no concept of folder sharing. As like that, that is so critical to the way that I work. I couldn't move to it even if I wanted to. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I decided to largely use iCloud files for my my cloud storage, and it's been great. It's been stable. Um, I wish we had a keyboard maestro for. I'm sorry. I wish we had a, a text expander for audio because you could just insert any of my prior rants about yeah. file management <laughs> yeah. here. But the you know there are, there are definite problems with it, and I use the Files app often, but I also use Dropbox. And part of me thinks that I I made a mistake going over to iCloud files, not because of stability issues, but just because of file management issues. I hope that gets fixed. But I use the Files app all the time. There are things I do like about it. I like the way. Well, you know what? Let's just say there's things I like about it because I'm hoping that by the time this publishes, there'll be more things I like about it. <laughs> See previous conversations. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just move past that. Going right, right ahead. So uh, yeah. So that's that's Dropbox um, for for me. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move. Enter offer code MPU at checkout to get ten percent off your first purchase. I'm guessing that everybody listening to my voice right now either has a reason to build their own website or knows somebody that needs to build a website. It's so important that you manage your online identity these days, and part of that means owning your website. Maybe you want to create an online store or portfolio or a blog. Whatever it is you want to make on the internet, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Squarespace just covers it for you. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name when you set it up. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Years ago, I got tired of running Max Sparky off complicated website systems. Instead, I just set up a Squarespace account and moved Max Sparky over to that. In all these years since I did that, I've never regretted it. The site runs great. I never have any downtime. And when I want to make small changes or big ones, Squarespace has got me covered. I haven't had to hire professionals. I've got a good looking website that I manage all by myself. And you could do that too. Not only can you do it for yourself, you can do it for others. 
So whether you're building a website for yourself or helping a friend get started, head over to squarespace.com MPU to get started. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU and you get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Mobile is also good for task management. What do you do there? Like your notes yeah. journey. Yeah. <laughs> this is your notes and email. <laughs> this is my notes and email. So, but what I normally come back to is Todoist. So I, I, I was in OmniFocus for a stretch, but Todoist sort of draws me back in for, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I don't need all the organization that OmniFocus has. Like it, the way that I work and for better or for worse, the way that I think is like some of the things that OmniFocus like the the okay like i just have one available or these are sequential or these are parallel like none of that makes any difference to me so some of that i, I view as sort of overhead i don't need uh to do has really nice natural language processing which is glorious on the iphone i can just ba- just like fantastical i can basically just type and have something with a due date and a you know the correct tags if, I, if i'm using tags i don't use tags but if you did you could do it uh have it in the right project and then just hit save and it's where i want it and that is huge for me on the iphone in particular where something just pops into my head i put my phone out I, I type it in in four seconds and it's filed away where i need it and that's really what draws me back to it um it also has really good integration with things like uh, if this and that and zapier i have several things that can cause tasks to be created and to do this for me, the biggest one is when any of these podcasts that I'm on publish, Zapier just watches the RSS feed and then puts all the details in the Todoist task with the 512 pixels in the 512 pixels project. And I can just go through there and paste the things into Mars Edit and, and publish something really quickly or, or do it in OneWriter on iOS. And OmniFocus just doesn't have some of those hooks, or, or at least not natively. Um, and so Todoist is it for me. The iOS app is not as pretty as others. It feels, honestly, it kind of feels like an Android app in places. Some of their design choices are lifted from their Android app. But the sync is really good. It meets my needs. And um, that's where I am today. And that's where I am most of the time. Sometimes I venture out and try other things. But Todoist meets my needs pretty well. That makes sense to me. Uh, I you know, I continue to be a huge OmniFocus user. And I think I, I will continue to be so into the future because you know, my life is complicated. You know, I, I do stuff for legal clients where, yeah, yeah. I mean, I need all of those sequential processing and all of that stuff. And the, um, I really need the review process, you know, um, because I, I have to keep on top of everything. And even though like I, I've talked recently that I'm, I use, you know, paper notebooks for some things and I'll, sometimes I'll make a list for the day of the key tasks, but that doesn't, in any way reduce my reliance on OmniFocus because this is a bank of many projects and tasks that I have to keep track of. And I'm in that application, you know, a few times a day. I, I don't use it as much as I think people think I do. You know, whenever I, uh, when someone, you know, they're like, well, how often, how long does it take? Well, if you, it, it's like a garden. If you keep the weeds out, you don't have to spend that much time on it every day, but you got to keep the weeds out every day. For what I do, this application is amazing. But you know, mm-hmm. to each his own. I, 
I mean, I think um, anybody would, my, my advice to anybody is for task managers, get the, the least complicated one that you can get away with. Yeah. And, and out of all of these categories and as we're talking about, task managers are perhaps the most individualized. <laughs> like it, it's, it's where people have the, the strongest feelings, but also where the differences are so personal. And um, hey, we live in a, we live in a, in a time where, there's such a wealth of options. It's if you don't like one particular feature, you can find it elsewhere in a, another app that's really good. It's it's a it's a nice cat, nice rich mature category at this point. Yeah, and it's really great considering you know how bad things were back in the old days. I mean, uh, there was a time when I used the Mac where it was there was nothing good, and then when the iPhone showed up, there really wasn't much good either until we got the App Store. But then mm-hmm. you know we we've got a lot of options. All right. What's the next category? Let's maybe do um, some communication stuff. We talked about mail. Yeah. Uh, but a big one, at least for me, I think for a lot of people, is um, is Slack. Yeah. You know, I've talked about this before, but Relay FM is its Slack channel, right? Like that is the office, and it is the uh, the place where we communicate about shows. I, I'm in so many channels for individual shows, and we have we have channels that are you know, topicals. We have one about cars. We have one about video games. There's, I'm sure there's others that I don't even know exists. It, it really is the office for me. Now, Slack, there was, uh, you know, people have complained about notifications from Slack. 100% Slack is one of those apps that you need to, uh, you need to manage the notifications really carefully or they can, they can outrun you. Uh, and Slack has a lot of good options for that. So you can say, I want to know about everything that's said in this channel. I have one channel that's like that, where everything that gets said, I need to know about. And then others, I basically just have, if someone mentions me, I get a push notification. Some I have muted entirely and I just dip into them every couple of weeks and see if there's anything I need to know about. If you take the time to tend the Slack notification settings, really tend to them and really dial them in, it won't be overwhelming, but it takes time to get there. Uh, but it is something that's on the home screen of, of all my devices. It's on the dock of my Mac. And I'm, it's basically open. If I'm at work, it's open on the Mac, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of always available to it on, on iOS. So it's it's a big one, and it's one that you know relay wouldn't be what it is without it because it really meets our needs to, to communicate as a team, both sort of publicly and privately, so well. I just I can't imagine moving to something else at this point. Yeah, I mean, the reason why the last email I sent you was in April is because of Slack. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And if you have Slack, like something that Stephen and I do, and I feel like it's a it's a really great kind of dividing line is we. We do all of our business talk, you know, stuff concerning the show, planning, guest planning, whatever, in Slack. And then if we just want to chat with each other about, you know, friendship stuff, it goes in messages. And I, I really like mm-hmm. when you get that dividing line clear in your head. Yeah, I do that with with more than just you. I do that with Mike. I do it with some other people, too. And that was a piece of advice, I think, given to me by CGP Gray. And it was so... Smart, because what happens is work, at least for me, work will just take over, right? And yeah. you realize, like, I haven't asked you how you're doing in a month, like, you know, or how that thing is at home or whatever. Yeah. And and that's a good that's a good dividing line. And, and of course, I think any of us on iOS would say that messages is on this list, right? That it's probably the most launched app on my iPhone. I don't have it uh, with me, but I, I would imagine that's true. I've got groups and I've got lots of individual conversations and messages is really a hub for basically everything that's not Slack for communication for me. And 
a lot of personal stuff. But then again, like you said, people I work with who I'm friends with as well, having that dividing line was really important to me and messages serves that really well. Uh, just on the communications front too, I'd add are, um, uh, I, I, despite all my whining about Facebook over the years, I still use Instagram. I like it. I think it's cool, you know, and, um, yeah, same. I, I try not to think about it too much, <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, it's, it's cool. And the, um, the other one that I use is discourse hub, which is a place where I can go in and check in on the Mac power users, uh, discourse. And, uh, and I go in there often and it's, it's fun to add posts mobily. And, you know, I use that to do that. It's, it's a nice, mm-hmm. nice little app, you know, it's not, not great, but it, it's okay. You haven't mentioned. Yeah, the, I, I have the one. one. I have one in here that has after the name of the app. Ha ha, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, Basecamp. Yeah, I, Basecamp was an experiment for me about six months ago. The uh, and it's an experiment because it's an expensive experiment. You know, it's a thousand dollars to have a Basecamp subscription, and it was a significant investment for me. But with my legal work, I wanted to have a place where we could. You know, I had a, a unique problem. Uh, so I've got all these different clients, and some of them have these projects. A lot of the stuff I do is transactional in nature. So we have emails and documents and ideas and thoughts going back and forth. And and you find that when that stuff gets stretched out across email applications or in you know cloud storage folders or local storage, depending on what the material is, you know. So you've got the stuff in all these different buckets. And later, you may need to go back and reference it. You can't find it. And, you know, just nobody knows who has what. Uh, so I was looking for a solution that could do that. And I, but I also wanted something that could have a unique bucket for each matter. You know, I don't want client A to have access to client B, you know, the, their stuff, or even know that, frankly, they exist. Um, so I needed a solution where I could create these unique projects that could have different people invited to each one. And that's what... Um, um, base camp solve for me. It hasn't been as much of a success as I would have liked it to be because a lot of clients, you know, anytime you have someone who's paying you to do a service for them and you say, well, you need to log into a website to, you know, to make this work. A lot of people don't want to do that. And uh, so it hasn't been as successful in that way. Um, but I can tell you getting the, the keyboard maestro field guide together with the people I had working with me, it was just essential for that. I've got people helping me out with editorial on Mac Sparky. It's essential for that. I mean, I, I'm finding a lot of uses for it and mm-hmm. stuff that used to be managed very haphazardly through email. And and honestly, the client buy-in is getting better. So, you know, I'm six months in, I have to think about in six months, am I going to renew? And it's looking to me like I probably will. And I, I know there's a lot of complaints about it. You don't, you're not a big fan of it. And it's kind of simplistic. But for some of the people I'm dealing with, that's an advantage. But, you know, I, I think that is a key app to me at this point. That's great. I'm glad it's working out because I know you dove into that. And then um, some of us weren't hip to it. So yeah. I'm glad that I didn't sink the ship. Well, I had immediate regrets after the first couple of months because I wasn't getting any buy-in on it. And I was like, what did I do? I spent all this money and nobody wants it. But, right. <laughs> but it, it's like, um, it's, it's, it's really sinking in now. And I think it, it's a good tool for the practice. And, and now the number of clients using it are, is large enough that it d- definitely justifies the expense. Good. But I'm finding other uses for it too. Like I'm, I mean, it's as silly as it sounds, I'm, we're talking about trying to put together a virtual uh, role-playing game team, you know, do Star Wars stuff. 
And the people that are on it are all over the country. And I think we're going to run it through Basecamp because why not? I've got it, you know, and it gives us a, yeah. it gives us a common place. Anyway. Uh, so, no, I'm glad, I'm glad it's here. I'm uh, like I said, I am glad it's working out. Yeah. Um, just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's good. Basecamp is great. It just doesn't meet, it doesn't work the way that I. Yeah. No, I get work. it. So. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Direct Mail, an easy to use email marketing app built just for your Mac. It helps you create and send great looking email newsletters. Email marketing is still an incredibly cost effective way to reach your customers and to grow your business. And for the past 15 years, Mac users around the world have trusted Direct Mail to handle all of their email marketing needs. It's designed just for the Mac, which means it's fast, it's easy to use, and it works great with the other apps and services you're already using on macOS. With Direct Mail, you can quickly and easily compose high-quality emails that look great on mobile and desktop. You can get in-depth campaign reports so you can see who is reading, clicking, and sharing your newsletters. And you can save time by integrating with over a thousand other apps and services on your Mac and the web. Direct Mail has real human live chat support if you have any questions. And Direct Mail is the number one top-rated email marketing app for the Mac, with five-star reviews on the App Store, Git App, and elsewhere. It's trusted by small businesses, nonprofits, schools, and Fortune 500 companies alike. Direct Mail is free to download, so you can get started today. Listeners of this podcast can save 10% off all full-featured pricing plans. Head over to directmailmac.com slash MPU to check it out. That's directmailmac.com slash MPU to get 10% off when you opt for a full feature plan. Our thanks to Direct Mail for their support of Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. So maybe we move into some grab bag stuff. Yeah. I feel like what's left on our list is like kind of scattershot. Yeah. One that I will bring up uh, that I use... Every single day, very often it's the first or one of the first things I do on my iPhone is launch Carrot Weather. This is a fantastic weather app for iOS that is full featured. And by that, I mean it has not only forecast data, but it has a radar, weather radar. You know, I know it's not a big deal for everyone, depending on where you live, but in the part of the country I live in, weather can be a very serious deal. And it's important to know if there's going to be some, you know, some bad weather heading your way. And I like having a weather radar. But Carrot Weather in a recent update uh, in May added a really robust alert system. So it's it's part of a paid tier. They have a paid tiered program. It's like the most expensive tier. It's a subscription. But you get push notifications from the app for all sorts of watches and warnings. And you can really fine tune what it sends you, set up how it's, how how they get sent. It even uses the notification alert system, which I, I haven't seen any other third-party app use, but it's, it's a pretty new feature in iOS maybe a couple years ago that, you know, when you get like an emergency push notification that's like an Amber Alert and your phone goes crazy and it makes noise and, you know, third-party apps can tap into that similar type of notification. And so if you if you say, I want, you know, if there's a, a tornado watch or tornado warning, you know, like, you know I'm going to be, you know, in peril if I don't take action. You could set carrot weather up to really make a bunch of noise and really get your attention. And it's a really great system. Carrot weather comes with a lot of personality as well. I, I love the design. 
Um, and, you know, it's it's very thoughtfully designed. And part of that is its personality where, you know, you can open it and it makes quips about the weather. And there's basically a sliding scale of like no personality to have, have mindset. Like I, I like the jokes, but I also just want to see the weather. So I have it turned off. But you can make it like homicidal in terms of how it talks to you uh, in these little uh, text snippets. And it's really fun. And the developer is – it's a single developer who does all of it, and he's very clever and very funny. Uh, it's its just uh, – it's the gold standard. I don't know how anyone else, how anyone else could ever catch it. Carrot Weather is just so full-featured and so rich at this point. And the watch complications deserve, I mean, no as well. It's incredible. I mean, if you use an Apple Watch – and you want your weather to – you have very specific needs for your weather. I don't know of any other app that does it as well as Carrot Weather. When it first came out, it felt like it wasn't real how fast it was. They really dialed that in. You know, back in the early days of the, of the Apple Watch where apps were just all really slow, Carrot Weather's always been fast and super customizable. And it's definitely the best weather app on the watch, hands down. That's a good one. Uh Here's one that's just, a, a, as I would say, I have a complicated relationship with, is Dragon Anywhere. I want good mm-hmm. dictation on mobile. And Dragon Anywhere, although it's expensive, it's $15 a month. For ages, I, I had I even had a year-long subscription at one point because I was so convinced of it. And one of the, my most common ways of using it is to have a PDF open... I'm talking a lot about being a lawyer today for some reason, but anyway, I'd, That's ha- right. I'd have a PDF <laughs> open on one side, then I'd have Dragon uh, as one third of the screen on the iPad, and then I could just dictate notes about a contract as I'd highlight it with the Apple Pencil. It was a great workflow. Just stopped working for me. I mean, the application became became unusable for me months ago, hmm. and so much that I was, I was just really angry. You know, like what is going on? This app that worked fine suddenly just doesn't work at all. And I let the subscription expire, but I'm getting ready to to write an article about what are you going to do with dictation now that that Nuance has left the Mac and Dragon Anywhere stopped working. So I dug into the problem deeper. It's the goofiest thing I've ever heard of. It doesn't work on the iPad Pro. For whatever reason, there's some problem with the iPad Pro. If I So I installed it on my phone, and it's just like the old days. It works great. It dictates everything I say. It has a custom dictionary. There's no timer. It's it's way better than Siri dictation for that kind of work. But it doesn't work on iPad Pro. I mean, how does a company let this? I mean, I don't even understand it. And this has been going on for months. I mean, if you, they're getting like roasted in the reviews. But anyway, despite my better judgment, I signed up for another month of it. And I'm using it again on the phone but it's goofy that you got to pull out the phone while I'm working on my iPad, you know, and I've got this like multi-device setup here just so I can dictate. But, you know, it's worth mentioning that it still is probably the best onboard dictation solution on iOS, but you can only use it on your phone. I, I don't even know if this is a pick. Honestly, I'm still kind of angry about the whole thing. <laughs> What's well, one I, I know that you've talked about in the past, so I'm glad that at least we're getting a, a checkup on it. Yeah. So I've got it for another month. We'll see if I'm going to keep it or not. But I mean, Siri dictation is getting better, but it still has that stupid timer and it still doesn't have custom dictionary, which, you know, really limits it in a lot of ways to the things I do. Yeah, man, what a bummer. Something that you, you know, you depend on for so long. And when it, when it breaks, I know it can be really frustrating and disruptive. I, I feel like this is a sign that they've abandoned it on on iOS too. I mean, honestly, maybe, and I mean, they've abandoned it on Mac, so maybe they just haven't made it public yet and they're just not going to bother fixing it. And it's going to break, 
you know, who knows with, you know, iOS 13, it may break on the iPhone. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm recommending you go out and spend money on this, but if, if you need strong dictation on your iPhone, it, it, it is a good solution. And there are others. I'm going to write it up. There's places where you can pay people where you send them recording. They actually have a human transcribe it for you. There's ones where their computers will transcribe it for you over the internet. But, but it, it sure was nice having the thing just happen locally on your device. And a related pick to that is drafts. I mean, at partially drafts is, um, you know, the developer of drafts is a really smart guy. And, and I mean, he was one of the inventors of the URL scheme. So, you know, go see, but the, um, but he's got a thing with dictation and drafts where the timer loops. So you don't have the timer stop. Um, so that's a good secondary solution that doesn't involve spending $15 a month. And then that's just the tip of the iceberg on drafts. I mean, drafts is in my dock. I've got three apps in my dock, and Drafts is one of them. I need to add text all the time. Click the icon, and you start dictating or start typing, and you've got text. From there, it'll go to Word, or it'll go to Ulysses or something. But but just that immediate capture, you really can't beat it. And, and it does so much more now. I mean, there are people that are using Drafts as their notes app because it's got tags, and it's got all the stuff that we've talked about. I don't do that. I just use it, and it's kind of traditional function. But... But Drafts is an amazing app. It's incredible how flexible it is. You think about iOS apps in sort of the old days of silos, right? You go into this app and you do this thing, and Drafts breaks so many of those walls down with text, like start here but go anywhere with what you've written. It, it really makes iOS feel like a much uh, broader world than it, than it was even just a couple of years ago. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we uh, we talked about day one a couple of episodes ago, so I don't know if we need to go into detail here, but uh, go check out that episode. It, it is still love it. <laughs> still, yeah, haven't changed in three weeks or whatever uh, since we published that. It is uh, it's a big big part of iOS for me, both both in the iPhone and the iPad. Uh, you know, a lot of these we've talked about being sort of iPad heavy. Day one, I may use more on the phone, you know, because I could take a picture and, and add to it real quickly and 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 send it on its way. Yeah. Yeah, but it's something that I, I just absolutely love. One more creation app is GoodNotes. I, you know, I, I still think it's just an ex- If you want to use the Apple Pencil with the iPad to take notes in any scenario, GoodNotes is, I, I just really like their ink engine. I know Notability is a good one too, and a lot of people like that because of the recording feature, but the ink engine on GoodNotes is second to none, in my opinion. It gets my, my second, yeah. <laughs> second on that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so sort of content apps. Uh, one that has been on the home screen of my iPhone since it launched in 2008 is Instapaper. I, I use it the way I have for the last 10 years where I'll be browsing or someone will send me something. I don't have time to read it. I save it to Instapaper and then I go and read it later. Or, or sometimes I send things to Instapapers like, this looks interesting. Maybe I need to dive into this further and just sort of stash it there temporarily. So it's one that, you know, Instapapers had a couple of ownership changes over the years. It seems like the team that has it now is dedicated to keeping it updated, and they've relaunched the the subscription service with some features that I, I signed up for immediately. I feel like it's got a bright, a bright future, even in the world of pinboard and saved, you know, saved bookmarks and reading lists and all these other things. Instapaper still... Uh, still is a place for me because of the reading experience being so good. And it, again, it's it's everywhere. You know, I can I can save a bookmark from the share sheet on iOS no matter where I am, 
And it's papers just there collecting them in the background, ready for me when I have time to sit down and, and read and explore what's in there. So it's it's really ingrained to how I work now, uh, particularly on the phone where I might not have time to read something, but I don't want to lose it. And so paper is a great holding place. Yeah. And this is one where I've reverted to the native apps and reading list is I've really scaled back the way I use these read it later services. I mean, I used to feel this, this like debt, you know, towards these things where I had thousands of articles saved to it. And all of a sudden it would be like weighing on me that I had all this stuff to read that I'd never read. And I just declared bankruptcy on it at one point and deleted it all. And now I just occasionally add something to the reading list. And if I'm going to like read in bed or whatever, I'll, I'll go and read those articles, but mm-hmm. I don't keep much in the reading list. I try and just delete it all if I don't get through it in a week. Yeah, that's always the the downside of apps like this is that you can just build such a backlog you can't yeah. ever get out, and that's fine. I guess it's not enough for me to. Yeah, I, I don't know for whatever reason I, I just got okay with not not keeping up with everything. <laughs> you know, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, an, yeah, an, that's an, fair. An app I use every day. You know, this is a hippie hippie moment of Mac Power users is Headspace. We we talked about that one over in Focus once in a while, but. I think um, I ha- I've had a couple of different meditation timers over the years, but um, I just like the Headspace. They they do some interesting stuff. It's kind of expensive if you subscribe, but the um, but I, I find it useful and um, uh, and I've had it now for over a year that I've been using it daily. I've got I was I just looked this morning. I've got something like six thousand minutes logged in it or something. Um, wow! But the um, but it's just. It's a nice, if you're interested in meditation, it's a good place to get started. But if you're even an established meditator, they've got interesting um, modules in there that I, I've listened to several of them. So I don't know. I think it's good. I like it. It's definitely one I, I you know, if we're looking at the criteria for the show, one of, this is one I open just about every day. The, uh, the iOS app for me that is running in the background the most often is Overcast, which is an excellent podcast client for the iPad and the iPhone. It's been my podcast client of choice since it launched. Uh, I like the design, I like how fast it is. A lot of podcast clients take several minutes to, or, you know, 10 minutes or more to see that there's new episodes. On, uh, Overcast feels like it's basically instant in most cases. I like the design. I do wish that I could sideload files to it. So Castro has this feature where you can basically drag in audio from Dropbox or something, and then you can listen to it in Castro. Overcast has this feature if you're a premium subscriber, but you have to do it on the Overcast website. And it works with the file picker in iOS. So you can upload to the Overcast website from Dropbox, for instance, on iOS, and then the Overcast client will see that file and download it. But I wish you could just sideload directly into the app. This is a, a very specific need, I know. But I run into issues you know, pretty often where I have audio on Dropbox and I need to listen to it, like a demo of a new show or someone's trying something. And I want to listen to it in Overcast so I have all the controls. It works with CarPlay. You know, listening to an hour-long audio file in the Dropbox iOS app is not good. Like it, The controls are very simple. It's easy to lose your place. And uh, taking the trip out to the Overcast website is a little frustrating. But other than that, that complaint, Overcast gets um, a, a throaty endorsement for me. It's It makes podcast listening, they all sound good with his effects. The UI is nice. And the exploration of new shows is, is a lot of fun in there with the directory. And you can see what friends have have liked in Overcast. So you can sort of recommend things to people who, who you know. Um, it's uh, It's just a solid app. And like I said, running in the background on my iPhone a good bit of the time these days. I 
agree. And I did a uh, experiment where I just used the native podcast app for a while because I have CarPlay and, you know, there, there's some things like the native podcast app does in terms of the Siri integration. It's still better than what anybody else can do. But then sure. when I went back to Overcast, I'm like, oh, yeah, I missed this. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. the features, the sound processing. It's just like, I, I don't know why I, what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, and I've been using it a lot since then. Uh, RSS, I don't, we don't need to go and link this. My RSS app is unread and I still use RSS. I'm one of the weirdos that still uses RSS. And yep, same. It's not the fastest app unread, but it's, it, I like the visual display and just like reading list. I, I've been trying to just not get as hung up on that stuff. So I don't need the super power tools. I just need something that's going to look good. And the fact that it takes two taps to share an article to reading list is one of the reasons why my reading list isn't flooded, you know. And then I guess the last group I have here looks like it's just me. Um, I thought I'd just mention some of the apps I use for music. Okay. Uh, don't get to talk about that much, but, uh, you know, I, I play music a lot. And uh, there's three that I, I really like. Uh, the first is Fourscore, which is the an amazing sheet music app. I mean, it's like a PDF management app and editor, but it's customized with the idea of sheet music where you can make playlists and and it's cloud friendly and it's just it, this is an app that i've seen over the years the developer has just continued to evolve it and like you can even get a bluetooth pedal for it so like if you're a piano player you can just tap that's cool a bluetooth pedal and it'll turn the page for you you know it's just just a great great sheet music app i don't think there's anything even close to it and a uh, tuner app as a saxophone player, I'm always trying to work on my intonation. And uh, TE Tuner is remarkable. It's just a great app. It's got a, not only is it an app that keeps you in tune or shows you visually how you're in tune, it's got a, a metronome built into it and you can set the clicks, you know, on off beats or whatever. So it's very helpful. Like I, I run a, a metronome almost throughout my entire practice session and I use TE tuners cause it also shows me whether I'm playing in tune. And then when I'm not running the metronome, I like to have a drum beat and there's an app called drum genius, which is amazing. <laughs> I mean, you want to hear something in nine sixteenths as a drum beat behind you. And to, uh, to people who don't know music, that's okay. You can tune this out, <laughs> but I mean, it's just remarkable. Whatever, beat you want there's one in there that will uh that will work for you and they're good sounding drum beats so i i'll, I'll run that sometimes when i practice as well something we didn't put on our list here I, I i'm begging to know give me one game steven i know you're not a games guy but that makes it all the more I'm important not. just give me one just give let's me one. even see if i have a game on my iphone i don't even know if i do uh honestly um I have zero games on my iPhone, <laughs> okay. not a single one. All right. So I don't know what to tell you. On the iPad, uh, I think maybe I've got um, you know Asphalt Nine, which is a racing game. Which I, I like car racing games. Oh, there we go. I never knew, didn't know that was coming from uh, you. So I've got that, and that may be about it. Yeah, hey, I'm happy I got one out of you. Yeah. I, well, there, there's another one called Blood and Honor, which is an online. This is so nerdy. It is an online risk type game, right? With the map and the yeah. soldiers you move around and stuff. Yeah. And uh, my brother and I play Blood and Honor on our lunch breaks sometimes together. We, you know, he, he works for himself as well, but his office isn't my office. But, you know, we take lunch about the same time. And a couple of days a week, we'll play a game of risk over lunch together online against two people we don't know. 
So those that's it, though. Uh, looking at my iPad, it's only those two games. In fact, I don't even have a games folder. They are in uh, a folder with a bunch of other what I call media apps, which are just you know a bunch of streaming apps. So there's a game. There, there's a Risk type game I've been playing. I think since the App Store opened, called Stratechery. You know, I think you know, not Ben Thompson. I was gonna say, <laughs> I think it's before Ben. I think it's I think it's before Ben. Uh, but the um, but it's just a uh, it's a, a very simplified Risk game. I still play that. That app it doesn't even fill up my iPhone screen. I think it's abandonware at this point. <laughs> I don't know if you can even buy it if you want it, but you can knock out a very quick Risk like game in like like five minutes. Cool. I, and I, I'm sure that's the game I've logged the most hours on of any game on my iPhone. Anyway, hey, I'm I'm happy I got one game out of Stephen Hackett. We got got a couple of games. Yeah, it's not not really my thing. Um, but that is a whole bunch of iOS apps, and uh, it, it's such a you know in prep for this, it's just a good reminder. It's such a rich ecosystem of so many different types of apps, and every single category has so many good options. It's really an embarrassment of riches on iOS at this point. It yeah. really is. And iOS 13 is around the corner, and who knows what new uh, you know paradigm apps are going to be inspired by it? Yeah, it's going to be a fun. Uh, you know, we're we're off to the races now towards the fall of fun new stuff. That that does it for today's show. We are the Mac Power Users. Uh, you th- thanks to our sponsors: One Password, Smile, Squarespace, and Direct Mail. And we will see you next week.